Welcome to Mother Talks, a weekly podcast of open, real, heartfelt conversations about mothering that cover a range of topics including parenting, healing, spirituality, relationships, creative expression, nourishment, business, sexuality, childbirth, and more. I'm so glad you're here. I am your host, Rachel Alaya. If you'd like to learn more about me and the work I offer, you can head on over to my website at rachelalaya.love. That's R-A-C-H-A-E-L-A-L-A-I-A dot love. So go ahead, cozy up, and join me and my guest for this week's episode of Mother Talks available on all the main podcast platforms. Welcome friends. This is Rachel Olaya. I'm your host and this is Mother Talks. We're here for episode number 14 with our guest Martine De Luna. Before I introduce Martine, I would like to share a little bit about this episode's sponsor, and that is yours truly. (laughs) So I'm sharing about one of my own offers, offerings, that's quickly become a highlight of my week, and that is Revive, an embodiment class for somatic healing and nervous system nourishment. We meet every Friday at 9.30 a.m. Pacific and 12.30 p.m. Eastern. And this is a basic sort of beginner level class of somatic body-based practices and movement to build embodied presence and nervous system regulation. The movements and the practices that I offer in this space are there to invite greater nervous system regulation through a variety of means. I guide women through a practice that helps to build the felt sense, to helps to build a reconnection and restoration with the animal body, with the ground beneath you with the here and the now. What can happen when we live in a state of chronic stress, when we have any layer or level of trauma that's woven into the muscles and the sinew and the connective tissues of our body, it can create a sense of disconnection and a kind of dismemberment. So Revive is a space where you can come every week. We drop in for about 45 minutes together and we reconnect, we remember. So this is your invitation to check out that offer. I'm actually offering a free sample class on my website. If you go over to rachelalaya.love forward slash revive, you can enroll and sign up and download a 
free class so you can check it out and see see how it lands for you this work is really based on my own lineage of study i was a dancer my whole life um, from my youth to my adolescence i've practiced and studied somatic experiencing with peter levine Irene Lyons' neurosensory exercises, Gabrielle Roth's five rhythms, Joanna Macy's work that reconnects, yoga therapy, Vipassana meditation, dance therapy, movement arts. And I've created sort of my own approach called somatic storytelling, where I really offer you a chance to get to know the story that's being expressed through the body. Again, if you're interested in that offering, it's available at rachelalaya.love forward slash revive, R-E-V-I-V-E. This week's guest on the podcast is Martine De Luna. Martine is a wife, a mother, and a certified transformational coach for women. She is based in the Philippines, and you can check out her work on Instagram at Femininity and Freedom or over on her website at martinedeluna.com. All right, Martine, welcome. I'm so happy to be here with you. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while, and um, yeah, it's just like warms me, warms my heart to have you here. So thank you for making the time. Thank you, Rachel. I've been excited to talk as well. Um, it's been some months that we've been talking about getting together and just, you know, like just vibing on what we do, like as wives, mothers, and women figuring this out, <laughs> you know, figuring it out. <laughs> uh, yes, definitely. Yeah, let's see. We stay humble. We're we're just like, I, we're just. Fig- Have we figured this out? No. That's why we need God. <laughs> oh my gosh! Thank you, thank you for that reminder. Um, <laughs> it feels like also like this new era of leadership that we're in too. Oh. Is like we're taking ourselves like off the pedestal in many ways, and that oh, feels yeah. so refreshing. Like. <laughs> It does like a like a nice breath, you know, just you just release, and then it just ripples through your body. Like, okay, that's yeah. it. That's what yeah. it feels. Yes, it feels so nice. Like as a well, your background is in education, right? So is mine. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Early okay. childhood education. Okay. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> that's really? funny. Um, I have a master's in environmental education, Mm. Um, so I mostly work with kids, but in like an outdoor setting. Nice. Um, nice. My my background, like experience, was yeah, working with the young the youngins outdoors. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm Star Wars freak, so call them the younglings. (laughs) Younglings, right? (laughs) Little Jedi younglings. Sorry. (laughs) It feels refreshing to coming from like the field of education where like Uh, you have this model of teaching 
that's been perpetuated where like the teacher is the authority and the teacher mm. is the know-it-all and the, t- and the teacher has all the answers, right? Yeah. And I think when we are socialized into that social order and that experience, it can be really interesting to like find where those narratives are kind of like hooked into us mm. Mm. and hooked into the people that we work with, you know, as, as a coach yourself and someone who works with women and guides them and companions them. I would imagine that, you know, there's there's this dance or this dynamic that you mm-hmm. find yourself in sometimes where you're like, I'm just figuring it out with you, you know, like exactly. I'm not the I'm not on the pedestal, I'm not the know-it-all, I'm not the, you know, yeah. quote unquote air expert. I'm I'm here with you and I'm in the mm. you know, the in the trenches. With you. Yes, thank you. I, that was the word. I was like, what's that phrase? Yeah. In the Yeah in the trenches with you I think it's a therapist that I follow Sarita she uses that a lot it's like her hashtag but but yeah it definitely feels that way and what's interesting for me is when I was 18 I actually stumbled upon um, unschooling John Holt and all of his literature and this was around the time I had already finished like high school and by the way I was homeschooled from 11th to 12th grade because we had moved back here and my parents were going through their interesting phase you know with with the church and everything and becoming very hyper religious and and scared of out there so they homeschooled mm. us and i discovered this philosophy of unschooling i don't know if your if your audience is familiar with that but basically unschooling is removing all of the systemic educational structure. So I was fascinated with that. But, you know, I kept in in the realms of like getting an associate's degree in early childhood, just so I could work, you know, so, okay, because here in the Philippines, we're a third world country and women actually work. You know, it's like, it's like not, not uncommon for you to be a traditional family. But the woman also works, right? right? So that was my experience. So I taught in preschool for seven years. And then in those seven years, it was a progressive school. Um, so I became fascinated with children, never had any of my own. So this was before I got married. It was when I got married that I actually tendered my resignation because I was going to have kids and do everything um, the proper way, you know, like um, from from home. But what's interesting about unschooling is what that is what we do today, you know, with my 12 year old and my seven year old. And I find that it's just that philosophy. We are figuring this out. There's no program. There is no prescription. There's no curriculum, curriculum in air quotes. But they are interestingly becoming their own people, mm-hmm. you know? And it's interesting when you are a parent and an educator coming from that system and then challenge, like I, every day I wake up and I'm like, I'm challenging it again. It's been 12 years and I'm still challenging it. I still feel that am I doing it right. Am right. I giving him everything, you know, the air, everything again in air quotes, And it's just learning in many ways, like entrepreneurship, for instance, or marriage, like 
this is how it's meant to be. We're meant to be in the state of I'm figuring it out, but I'm trusting God and the divine Mm -hmm. every step of the way. The divine inquiry of my everyday existence is rooted in this I'm figuring it out embodiment, not Mm -hmm. just a mentality, but I wake up, this is a new day. What is today about? What are the children leaning and feeling into? How can I be a guide? That's pretty Mm -hmm. much what the day is. Same with my clients. Like, I don't know what they're going to bring up today, but, you know, that's what actually brought me back to seeking God and having a relationship with God, not a power source and not a entity but a real like personal relationship with God whom I could have a conversation with, be led by, and yeah, just be very grounded into this reality of figuring it out as a woman, as a wife and mother. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Same for you. Totally. I... I knew before I had kids that I wanted to to unschool. I mm-hmm. knew that I wanted to like homeschool or unschool, you know. Yes. Not. And I've uh like so my oldest is only five years old and my oh. youngest is a year and a half now. And so my five year old, like I keep catching myself wanting to like push him into certain things like okay let's because he really loves me reading to him he loves reading aloud he loves like just looking at his books he's got a ton of books so I'm like okay let's learn to read right and it's funny because I actually went through your stories today and I have the same book as you that you were doing with your daughter the oh yes 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 yes. so I'm like okay let's do the book right and I was like really gung-ho with it for (laughs) like a month, like a couple months ago. And it totally turned him off completely. And I was humbled. I was humbled to to this day when I ask him like, hey, do you want to do your reading lessons? I'm never doing reading lessons again, he tells me. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, God, my eldest was like that too. That book didn't work on him. But it's working on it's okay and my little my little girl is interesting. She's like, Mommy, I want I want to have reading lessons like every day. I'm like, okay. <laughs> she was the one. She was the one who said, and this is how you will do it, mommy. I will sit down and then you have so she's like, you have to have a red pen. And I'm like, I hate that thing. But okay, right? The red pen, you know, like to, to grade things. But she's like, that's what's motivating her. And and the little one is reading. So I don't care. Like for the oldest, they were very similar. Like he's like repelling. He's like, don't box me in. And he's very like that. He's my, he's my water sign baby. Okay. You know, he is the empath. He feels everything. Like he takes on a lot. And so he never, and this is what I'm learning because he never invests his energy into anything unless his body says yes. And I'm like, Mm. dude, that is the lesson that I learned. That's my life over there. You know, like to not say yes, just because it's the right thing. 
but to be my body saying like yes and my intention saying yes i'm fully into that so my children are my teachers i think that's what unschooling has brought me you know oh completely completely what about you? i mean my greatest teachers my kids yeah. are my greatest teachers and yeah. It's very interesting. We have like very interesting parallels because so my oldest, his name means ocean's wave in Hawaiian and he's a, he's a water sign rising and he is just really big feelings and emotions boy. Like Mm. he is just the waves crashing on the shore type of. That's my son. (laughs) And and my other son, his name means sun in Spanish, and he mm. is a fire sign rising. So he is like this radiant ball of joy who just like constantly puts a smile on your face. And I was sitting the other day like in this meditation thinking about my children and, and what their big lessons are for me. And I've been very humbled by the fact that my oldest is reminding me to learn how to presence my feelings, my Mm. big feelings that I never, that I don't think I ever got a chance to learn how to sit with, you know, when I was growing up. Yeah. Yeah. And my youngest, it seems, is reminding me to presence my joy as well, right? Oh, that's like, beautiful. And allow that to take up space in my life in a way that I just kind of haven't allowed it to, you know? Yeah. And what I really love about something that you said was like this piece about embodiment because mm. my in- I'm a very like – heady intellectual person sometimes and I can think to myself okay like I'm gonna do unschooling like this makes so much sense and I love it and I and I'm reading all the things and I'm learning all the stuff about it but when it actually comes to like the rubber meeting the road and actually Mm -hmm. doing the thing it's you know my body is just like used to doing something else it's used to having all the you know all the pieces in a box it's used to having everything like managed and in control and when Mm. you're unschooling it's like no you got to just meet the moment you got to just meet the day you got to just meet your child exactly where they're at exactly not where you think they should be not where Mm. the book tells you they need to be not where the grade level says they need to be but yes oh the grade levels are right yep yep and Uh, This piece about too, like having faith, having faith and having a really like embodied relationship with God just underpins all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that for me, and I think that's what we, you know, women like us have been connecting with, you know, in this, um, in this realm of like, being a guide or being a coach, which sometimes, you know, my body has like this reaction to those words sometimes like a teacher, because it's, it's that it's, it's the recognition of this fact that we are all figuring it out and our bodies are also dismantling internally mm. from all the constructs that we, we grew up with. Like I was always a rebel 
from everything, even if I was silent. So I'm not, I wasn't your, like my, uh, my aunt was an activist. So she was like the noisy rebel, you know, on the streets, sleeping in like um, rallies and doing all the things. I was a silent rebel, I guess, because of how I grew up. So mm. I grew up in the church in a very strict evangelical upbringing. But inside, I was always questioning, is this it? This is not what it's meant to be. Why do I, why do I have these feelings? Why do I have these curiosities? Why, 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 why? And up until I was 18, I just kept it all like quiet, you know, on mm. the down, down low. But that was when I first started to have a lot of like internal conflict with listening to my body. Because when you grow up in a very, I'm going to use the word puritanical environment and dogmatic religious structure, the first thing that goes is your relationship with your body. Because the main teaching is the body's the body is degraded, the body is distorted, and anything that the body experiences isn't holy. So I actually grew up with that construct of everything physical, like on this planet, is fallen, or it's, it's not what God intended for you, which for me was very strange, because then why do we get married? Why do we have children? Why do we perpetuate this this life, right? There must be a reason. And so when I actually spent a lot of my adulthood in that internal conflict, it was until, until I was 30 and I had, you know, we, we were already married that my husband and I decided we're going to step out of this particular system of religion because it was not so much that it was holding us back. You know, it wasn't, um, it wasn't like that, but that it's no longer real. It is no longer real. What's real is this little boy that I had just given birth to. What's real is our marriage that, you know, that is the most important thing to us. What's real is this new life that we're building and, again, figuring it out. Um, and sometimes, you know, families will stay connected to their religious community because they've gotten married. But for us, it was a total opposite. And it was effing scary at the time because like we're separating from everything we've ever known and we're stepping yeah. into the unknown and when you grow up in a religious community that has shaped you it's hard it is hard yeah. like I think you and I have talked about like the existential crisis of reframing God right, right. because I had inherited a image of God and an embodiment of God that like I said it, it it's it it denied me connection to my body. It denied me connection to the earth because the earth and the planet was seen as, you know, like nothing there is good. Right. But then coming into that <clears throat> with my child, and I think motherhood does something to you. When you give mm. birth, you are forever altered and changed, but you actually become who you are through birth. And I felt that that's what happened with my son. And I don't know, like, I feel like, you and I relate with that. Like once you give birth, whoever you were prior to that moment of expansion, literal expansion, it has died, right? And I think mothers die deaths over and over every day to our old identity. Mm. Um, and 
there's the beauty and the bitterness in that. But there is definitely the journeying closer and closer to this image and heart of God, right? Because mm-hmm. it's at the end of the day where you just sit with that and say, okay, God, I don't know like exactly what I'm doing. I don't know if I'm being the wife I'm supposed to be, but that I'm also challenging that entire construct of what is supposed to be Mm. right and I feel like all of that happens within my body every single day yeah in ways that I had I hadn't had the access to like as a young girl as a teenager and then later on as a young adult getting married um, these last 12 years have really been the only time that I have become familiar with this you know, this is just a, sh- um, what is the word for it? This is really just an experience I'm having here, right? But this person that I I am, I've only really gotten to know the last 12 years um, mm-hmm. as a mother specifically, right? Yeah. And and that, that has been the wildest ride, <laughs> I gotta say. And I'm, I'm curious about like how you've navigated it as well like did motherhood change you in the same way when it cracked you open and you were like my world is never going to be as I expect it to be anymore a million percent (laughs) (laughs) I was actually I was getting like full body chills when you were talking about your experience and specifically like the language that you used around like when you experience childbirth as a mother, like Mm. the identity and the part of you that has existed up until then, just dying, you know, being gone and the whole like tectonic shift that has to Mm. happen when you're suddenly reborn as a mother Mm. and not only do you have this part of you that's suddenly out of outside of yourself, right? Yes. Like quite literally, this baby is part of you who's now is his own being, right? Mm. And relying on you for everything. Yes. But also yes, you're yes. you're like, but who am I? Like I am a exactly. new person too, right? Like exactly. I am a completely different person. And how do I I feel like a lot of the sort of psychological postpartum issues mm. for many people or many women, I should say, that I know who have gone through that transition mm. who haven't necessarily been like supported through that transition or even knew that it was going to happen, mm. you know, because yeah. there's yeah. all this talk about like, the baby, you know, and Mm. all this talk about birth, but like Mm. there's not much talk about you being reborn as a mother. There's not not much talk about like what happens after birth, you know, like Mm -hmm. and the whole like just entire worldview shift that, that, that unfolds for you. Right. And it's just, it's just, such a deep 
process, I think with every child, it, well, mm. I can only speak to the two children that I've had, but for, with each of my children, I've, I've felt like a new, like cracking open or unraveling oh, or yeah. like shedding process where like the parts of me that weren't actually mine to hold or weren't mm. actually of my organic, you know, essence, we might say, mm. are suddenly like stripped away and I'm left yeah. like bare and naked to figure it out, you know? Right, right, <laughs> right. Bare and naked. Yeah. It's, it's huge. Like it's, yeah. it's been, it's been the number one transformative, mm. intense, like life shifting experience is being a mama. Absolutely. Know? Yeah. And also I'm curious as well about, because I live in close proximity with my parents. Mm. Me too. And I know that you do too. And like with all of the things that you've been mentioning about, like growing up in a puritanical and religious household and being the silent rebel and then like leaving the church with your husband and coming back to an embodied personal relationship with God mm. and also being in really close proximity with the people who raised you and the family mm. that you came from. Like what, what's that been like for what's you? What's that? Oh my gosh, so many layers. Well, I love how you said so many. first, so many. But I, I, I like to think of this as when we're, like you said, cracked open into motherhood and we shed the identity and you feel naked. That's exactly what, how I describe like what a lot of my, my clients embody. So like mm -hmm. when, when I take my client through like an intake process, because a lot of them are in similar kind of situa situations um, when it comes to embodying their femininity. I have, this, I have this process of feeling like Eve when she was created naked, yet perfect, right? And mm. all, she, all she actually was created for was to be loved and to receive from, at that time, you know, like the father you know, God, pure divine father was just to receive and to just thrive within creation. That's why I, you know, like I um, always have a sense of peace and stillness and wholeness when I'm in our garden. You know, we live in, a, in the most densest populated city in the world in Manila, right? And we have like this little pocket of a garden, you know, it's actually a big garden, but I feel most at home there. And I feel like that's the analogy that I like to begin with when I talk about, okay, so what about when family comes in and what about when, you know, like all of these other dynamics come in, we're actually deciding with our nakedness, with that raw identity of who we are before God, to take every other thing on, maybe like to put it on as a garment, knowing mm -hmm. that we can take it off. I don't know if you're following that, but that's actually how I see like things like living with your um, parents on the same property, 
living without a system of religion, when you live in a Catholic country, living outside of a system of education, when you come from a Southeast Asian nation that is obsessed with, you know, it's kind of like a diploma mill over here, right? There's all of these layers and all of these things that I feel I actually have permission to take off any time. And I'm mm. naked before God. And I, I, mm. this is not the torrid, you know, like um, type of taboo nakedness, but it is the pure, innocent nakedness before God of our original template as women. So mm. that's how I see like, um, kind of like the, you could, you could say like the energy around like the way of life that I have. But when you talk about the day to day, then that's when, you know, like you really see um, everything um, come up for you. So we always didn't live, we didn't always live on this property with my parents. Um, That was kind of like a gradual decision. So originally this house was actually our homeschool house that my mom built back in 1995, right? And so this used to be much smaller And it used to just house our desks and um, it opened up into the garden. At the time, there was like, um, we had like other other kids come in and homeschool with us, right? So this place held a lot of memory. And then, you know, when my brother got married, um, traditionally, the eldest can come and live on the property and inherit the house, you know, the first house that comes up. But he decided, you know, he didn't want to stay in the city. He moved elsewhere. And so we were, you know, like next in line, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. Being the el- eldest daughter, right? So we've lived here and it's really been interesting because my parents have not been in my face about anything. Mm. They, they um, And the interesting thing about that is when I left my religion, my religious community in particular, I wrote to my mom thanking her for everything. And I thanked her uh, for how they raised us, you know, even, you know, they, they were just doing what they believed was, was right and what was true. So I really just thanked her. There was no bitterness ever against my parents Mm -hmm. for the way we were raised, because again, I was that silent rebel. I'm like, this is not, this is all just borrowed. This is all just, you know, like unquestioned. They don't probably they probably don't know what they're doing, and so I'm just you know gonna be quiet over here. So I, I've never been like this like rage against the system or the patriarchy, and I felt like I, I I had to question before I was like, is that normal? Because I see all of these empowered women yelling and screaming against the system, but I feel like you know I'm not that angry. <laughs> I'm not that, you know, like, um, I, I, I feel like that's also connected to how I navigate this time, right? Mm-hmm. This experience of our reality. It's, it also informs like how I coach people, right? It's a very, I like to call it like a dark stream sensation, mm-hmm. like, because mm-hmm. I ask my clients to describe to me, what does it feel like to be you? internally if you could describe it like as an element what would it be like and I always describe mine to be a dark stream but then Mm -hmm. sometimes fire comes out 
And it's interesting because when it comes to my parents, it's a lot like that, you know, my relationship with them. They have always seen me as having my own mind and way of things. And because of how we were raised, like in a system, in, this, in a religious system, you actually don't challenge the system. They've yeah. always seen the three of us. So my brothers and I are very similar, but we are, um, we're, we're different in the way we challenge. My brothers have always been the vocal ones, the screaming, very, you know, like, like passionate, very activist type of resist the system. I've always been, you know, like a quiet resistance, but strong. Like when I speak, when I speak my mind on paper or when I write um, something, um, it's, it's always like my mom says, ooh, you know, how did that come out from you? You don't really say much. You don't really talk much. And I said, well, I, I actually talk to myself a lot and I actually talk to God a lot. And so when I wrote her that letter saying, mom, you know, we're leaving the church. Thank you for everything that you've done. This is not a, you know, it wasn't ever a dig at her. Um, we even, I don't know if, if I, if I, if I talked about this, but my brothers even told, cause we all left at the same time. My brothers even told our church, if you hurt our mother, we will, <laughs> we were like, we'll be back, you know? So my mom really saw that. And she said, you know, like we raised these kids, we raised these kids well, you know, even if we, we have a different lens and worldview. Um, I think reconciling with our parents early and um, really embodying like who we were truly. Um, this is, this was in the early twenties of my brother. I was already like, like approaching 30, right? Um, what that did was it really broke down so many walls, invisible walls that we'd set up, but very felt walls um, with our parents. And so living with them, they they are not up in my grill at all. Even if this is technically a clan property, um, it doesn't feel that way. We have our autonomy. We I run my household independently of hers and um yeah it's very it's very countercultural even for a filipino because filipinos are always up in everybody's grill right um just culturally that's the way it is but with mom and dad um i feel like in the same way our children teach us like your son repelling the book like mm. don't teach me with that book i felt like that could be the same embodiment of my parents when we let go and said, you know, you raised us well, you raised us in the best way that you knew. Now it's our turn. And so it feels that way with our own children. Like my brother's all unschool as well. Like we're a family of unschoolers and it, it looks different. I have a brother who lives by the ocean. I have this other brother who's always like, um, they're like in the art scene and, and like, um, you know, like very into like the cultural and creative arts. And, and you have me, Little Miss, homebody, you know, homemaker, having an online business. And our parents really honor that. And they really, they really do what they can to help. Like, can we watch the kids? You know, can we um, help you in any way? Can we support you um, mm -hmm. financially? Um, 
I feel that because we we nipped whatever was necessary in the bud early on, ten like ten years ago, um, it just facilitated a lot of healing throughout this last decade in particular. That my brothers and I have navigated ourselves out of the system that we grew up in. Yeah. So that's what it's been like. I don't know if that encapsulates the entire question, but that's the experience that we have. So um, unschooling was very foreign to my parents. They're like, what if, what if, what if, what if we, this happens and what if, but you know, they've been used to it for like this whole decade. And it's, it's so it's such an embodiment of how I feel. Will I be that way when I'm 70 years old? Will I let my 30-year-old, 40-year-old children thrive like maybe I should have when I was when they were younger? Mm-hmm. Right. And so the, the topic of generational healing really connects here because the way my brothers and our generation raise and see our children is very different from how we were raised in a very strict and stringent kind of like little house on the prairie, but, you know, scary (laughs) religious environment. Um, So, yeah, but I mean, like, it's not going to be that way for everybody. Yeah. Again, it's when, when we say that, disclaimer like it's not going to be that way for everybody what we're really saying is you are all on your individual individual journeys with the previous generation too you are all dismantling whatever unconscious inheritances have been accrued from the previous generation and you get to lay that out on the table right um so yeah, so there are still times where we uncover, oh, didn't see that coming, didn't see that argument happening, right? But it's significantly less than we when we were in our um, rebellious, well, not not really me. I, I, I've never raised my voice to my parents, never had to. But um, it was vastly different than when we were younger and my brothers and I were talking about leaving together and like this resistance and all of these things. But now it's, it's again, it's, it's just like there are alliances between nations, you know, yeah. uh, with yeah. my parents. Um, and it's, it's, it's possible to um, model that to the children as well. Like mm. we're very, very um, particular to um, pass on like respect for your elders to our children. But also yeah. with that, that they are their own person. But just yeah. because you're your own person doesn't mean you get to disrespect like your parents and, you know, like um, create like these, um, you know, like these chasms between you. Right. So um, and that comes from the Filipino, like traditional way of a very it's a very Eastern type of honorific relationship with the ancestors. Right. Mm-hmm. So um I think that what what the work that I have I I chose to expose myself to you know like self work and like embodiment and coaching you know that realm um, personal development that's what really helped to heal a lot of the conversations and the brokenness um, that had to occur and just being very mindful that 
when it comes, you know, when, when it comes that my son has to make a decision to like move out or something that he, he does so in a way that is still respectful of our ancestors, that is still respectful of this lineage that we have. Right. Um, it's not easy for sure, because I still feel like I'm stumbling in the dark a lot of times. Um, but again, like how Eve was naked, you know, when she was, when she was created, okay. in in my vulnerability and in my nakedness as a mother, as this identity of a woman here on this earth, I trust you mm-hmm. through the darkness and through everything that I am meant to go through until I'm like united with you. I'm a Christian, so I believe that I will be in union with the Father, you know, eventually. Um, But it starts here, right? It starts here in this reality, in this realm, and (laughs) it's a day-by-day death of the parts of me that, you know, um, are just asking to be divested. Mm. So that was long. <laughs> long and beautiful oh, answer. Thank, thank you. you so much for sharing. Um, sharing your story and about your family. So I'm actually an only child. Mm. And um, that holds with it its own, you know, whole universe of stories and dynamics that you know, maybe we won't dive into that today, but regardless, mm. I left home and went off on my own at around 18, 17 years old and lived in a lot of different places around the world and never imagined myself living in close proximity to my parents again. Mm. And interestingly found myself quite literally coming back to the room that I was born in. Wow. And the, in the apartment that has stayed in my family. And, um, I met my now husband while I was visiting temporarily in big air quotes and ended up staying indefinitely. Um, and you know, my parents, my parents live here, so it has carried with it. I think some really interesting experiences and opportunities to shift certain dynamics, to close certain doors, to heal certain things that I think we really needed to work through together That if I hadn't come back to this place and Mm -hmm. been in such close proximity, I don't think we would have gotten that opportunity. Mm. And yeah, the day to day, I think is, is a trip sometimes, you know, because you see certain patterns that you grew up with that are still present that you learn to live with or presence, you know, in some ways. Yeah, yeah. And 
it feels very important to me that my kids have a close relationship with their grandparents and that they have those like intergenerational relationships that are key and center in their life. And goodness, the relationship that my kids have with my parents is very close and it's very beautiful. Like it gives me a lot of um, warm, fuzzy feelings to see them so close, you know, and that they have that kind of bond. And gosh, even sometimes I feel like maybe a little, I don't know, nostalgic or like envious, but almost like, I don't remember having that relationship with my parents. And I'm watching my children have this like really beautiful, loving relationship with their grandparents. And I'm like, Mm. wow, isn't that beautiful that like this dynamic has shifted in such a way where like the almost like the parents that I know that they maybe wanted to be with me. Yeah, yeah. They weren't available to be back in the day because of their own issues, the things that they were working through when they were younger, you know? they're now available to offer that to my children. Yes, yes, yes. And that feels really beautiful to me. And Mm -hmm. that I'm able to be in close proximity to them feels like such a a gift because I know so many people who, especially as mothers, they feel so isolated and they feel so like cut off from their ancestors, from their families, from their village, from their communities, you know. And I feel like this model of living where you have like intergenerational connections and you have family close by, like it's it's very similar here in Mexico where where we live, you know, as it as it is in the Philippines, right? Like that extended family component is Mm. so so strong like the family is is such an important piece of the the societal puzzle that I think in in the social order that I was raised in in the United States for most of my life Mm -hmm. I didn't I mean, half of my family, I never saw them because they were all the way across the country. There was, you know, my dad was the black sheep of the family. There wasn't really that, like, family support in any way. It was very severed. And so to, like, really have that, it feels like such a gift. And I'm very grateful every day for it, even with the challenges that arise, you know, even with the, the dynamics that you're like, okay, this is this is here. Let's, let's be adults and work through this, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Like we, you were saying earlier today, like there's this new wave of leadership, Mm. right? And when I, when I think of leadership now, it's less of the, I'm at the apex of some imagined or manufactured hierarchy and more of, I'm actually becoming, you know, like I'm actually becoming part of a well, generational healing is one, right? But I'm actually becoming a part of leading, in my case as a mother, like leading my children back to the heart because I myself am leading, being led back to the heart. And when I say heart, heart and compass is like so many things, right? That have to do with our original design 
as God intended for, for me as a woman, for instance, like going back to the heart has meant reclaiming the parts of myself that of course we've rejected, right? That's the first level of it. But then it's also, what does that look like in everyday life? What does it look like? What does reclamation and restoration of the heart look like? Um, and before I, I made it so complicated because, you know, when you, when you get into coaching, so I got into coaching 12 years, uh, 10 years ago in 2012. And at the time it was like the first level of like personal development. Okay. How can I improve myself? How can I support other women to improve themselves? You know, it's the motivational style of coaching. Right. And then within like, 2016 I felt so disconnected from that because it did it felt like it had not enough heart in it and in 2016 was when I dove more deeply into the other spectrum of the transformational space which is you know the whole like love and light movement because when again just like when I left religion and you take a pendulum swing the other way Right. So I left religion. So I was all like, I'm going to be an atheist. I'm going to be like, not believe in God anymore. Of course, I went back to center. The same thing happened when in my journey, like trying to navigate this whole, what is it to be a coach thing? Right. right. Be a, be a woman entrepreneur. Right. So I swung into the love and light space. And again, I have respect for every part of my journey. Right. So when I was there, it was more of like escaping the mm. body and like being on a new timeline and like, we're just, I'm just a shell here. And, you know, like I'm just being, I'm just occupying this space. Like I'm walking into this space and I'm not really here, but that was further taking me away from the heart as well. Cause the heart for me is such a fleshly, earthy, human, primal sense of the heart not this love and light like ascension into somewhere that I have no knowledge of right so after a little bit of that you know and trying to figure out like what does it mean to like come home to my heart it brought me to a space of just again that nakedness of Eve let's peel it off let's let's, let's question everything that I have taken on as a practitioner these past, like at that time, six years, seven years, and um, what is left. And that's actually what started me back on the path of just seeking for truth. So I became one of these truthers, right? <laughs> which we all go through, you know, like I went through the whole path of like conspiracies and like, what this whole planet is, is all about and the hijacking, which, you know, like parts of it are, are actually true. It's actually truth mixed with lies. Yeah. But that's when I started to see like through again, you know, that, that, that craving for the heart of God that I was having. Mm. So it was around 2018, 2019, when I started to get into polarity, which was out, you know, Polarity tries to bring you into this very physical and primal relationship between the masculine and the feminine. And for me, that 
it, it fit the piece of, okay, that feels, you know, like very much like earthy and fleshy. And I wasn't so much into all, all of the like sacred marriage, esoteric stuff. It didn't make sense. It didn't make sense to me because I couldn't, it's like I couldn't bring all of those codes and things into my body, right? But right. polarity made sense to where I, you know, for where I was at the time. And so for me, kind of like going back to the heart through polarity was where I really encountered like God in a new and very physical way. Hmm. So it was in, it was ironically in, a a meditation that was meant to take us you know like to really to really like feel the embodiment of our feminine um so i had grown up talking to jesus and having a bible and all of that during this experience the vo- I- i'm going to just call it like the voice of jesus right um he said i know it's been a while but when you get home, read your Bible. And I'm like, my Bible. And he's like, yes, your Bible. I was like, okay. I hadn't touched my Bible at that time for around like eight or nine years. Mm-hmm. Again, part of that visceral like reaction against the system, against the empire. Oh, that book is hijacked or whatever. But I went home and it, it sits actually in an altar that we have at home, but I never touched it. You know, it's like, I don't know enough about that, whatever. But it, when I opened the book to the book of John, um, there's a, and it, it has become my favorite kind of like symbology um, around Christ. It says there, I am the vine and you are the branches, mm-hmm. right? And for me, you know, when I was a kid, when I was growing up a teenager, all of this was just like, okay, it's just poetry. It's just like Jesus being quoted by somebody who thought they figured him out. It, it was all the things. But it was the first time I really felt like I was having a relationship with, with God. Like I was having a conversation with him. And it gave me such rest in my entirety, mm-hmm. right? Like in my body. And then my mind was started to quiet. And I always tell people, you know, it was through polarity and exploring that realm that I actually found like the divine masculine in Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't, I don't really use the term divine masculine, but that would be like the closest in human language that I could describe what it means to feel and know that you have found the heart of God. Right. Because I well, in my belief, I believe that Jesus was the embodiment of God, right? And and fully human as well. And so I felt like having a relationship with him as the masculine is really what like brought things at, you know, for 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 now full circle. I don't really believe we have a concept of full circle here. Right. We're all just being and becoming who we're meant to be and trusting again, being in that nakedness of Eve, what the next step is. Right. Mm-hmm. But but for me, that was like, oh, you know, I, I didn't feel this growing up, but I feel so connected to you. And so that began kind of like my journey to 
to Jesus. And I always, you know, people get confused when I say that I'm a Christian because I, I don't feel I actually am. <laughs> but there's just no other word that describes like what it means to follow Christ. But if it means that I strive to learn from him and to embody the teachings that he taught and left with us that are a living word, then I could be, you know, a, a Christian in air quotes, but I'm actually simply a follower of Christ. And for me, that is what that is what has brought me back to the heart of this marriage of the divine and humanness, mm. because it is in devotion to Christ, who was the embodiment of that, um, that I get to, you know, like take that all in and have an example as well, you know, for living, have a have a a a person that I can pray with you know there's a distinction praying to and then praying with mm -hmm. and uniting with and having conversations with that I didn't have when I was in religion in religion it was always about worship this being and this entity because you know like at the end of days you're going to be judged and you know you want to get into heaven it isn't like that anymore I think that the distance from all of that was actually very helpful and very necessary. Um, and again, I always say this with caution because a lot of people, when they hear us giving like these um, shares and these opinions just really about relationship with God, they feel like, oh, that, so that's the way? That's what I should follow? I'm like, right. no, 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 no. See, that's where we came from with school. And that's where we came from with orthodoxy, you know, orthodox religion. And that's where we came from with the corporate ladder. There's nothing that's supposed to be for you, but there's right. everything that you're meant to embody and trust God for. That's it. Yeah. Right. So I feel like that describes like my experience, like every day um, back to, to God and when I say back, I don't mean like I stray or, or I go away or anything, but it's like at the end of the day, am I the embodiment of that woman? You know, like how God, and that's why I love Eve. I don't hate her like some people do. They're like, oh, it's because of Eve. You know, we have all these problems, but, but I'm like, she's just like the beautiful embodiment of what we get to be, hmm. right? Trusting God for each step, trusting God and taking the aligned steps forward um, in this realm that we're meant to experience and feel and hate at the same time love, you know? Yeah. I love your description of your spiritual process. I feel like mm. I feel like that was one of the main things that really drew me to you in your work in the way that mm. you have been able to like verbalize and find the language to use around this very, uh, very like, I don't know, mysterious process yeah. and relationship of coming back to the heart and being in deep relationship with God and allowing mm. it to be from a place of deep humility, you know, and that's what I, I'm hearing yeah. you share. 
And I know that I know that you and I have spoken about like getting really curious about the language used in the Bible too. Oh, like going back to the original like Aramaic or Greek oh. or Hebrew terms. And I'm very like very into um, linguistics. I can remember when I was in college, I got one one A plus during my college years, and it was in, in linguistics. I don't know how. But <laughs> I did like some extra credit thing, and it got like bumped me up above a hundred percent. And I, but I remember being like so excited about this class and learning about language and as a writer, and I know that you're a writer too, and a speaker, it, it feels like words have, words are things, right? Like they yes. hold a frequency, they hold an energy. And so being mm. able to like find the right word and use words in a way where you can like allow it to meet the other person's heart, you know, mm. is so valuable and important. And your description too of Eve, like, it makes me think of the original Aramaic term for sin because mm. I got really curious about this word because I feel like there's so much like cultural, so much charge around that. Yeah. So much charge and like so many stories and so many ideas about what that is. Right. And everyone's got their own idea. Right. Yes. But yes. When you actually look into the original meaning of that word as it was used in some of the early texts of the Bible and how it's described as like missing the mark. Yeah. Right? Like missing the mark. Yeah. Missing the mark and how that's something that we, we all do at times. We all miss mm. the mark, you know, and that in many ways is what makes us human, right? Like is mm. that we miss the mark is that we, we have this gift of free will that God gave us that that means we can choose to be in the heart. We can choose to be in relationship. We can choose to mm. walk the path of Christ in yes, that yes. way. And we can choose otherwise. And that is this beautiful divine gift that we have. But mm. it's also this tremendous responsibility that we have. For sure, and in our day-to-day -day lives and in the way that we walk as a, through life as a mama and as a wife and as a daughter and as a, a human being who will inevitably miss the mark, how do we choose to stay like rooted and grounded in the principle of Christ consciousness? How do we choose to stay rooted and grounded in this deep relationship with creator? How do we choose to stay rooted and grounded in a way that we can like grow and live and flourish from the heart and not also simultaneously forget that we have that free will? And because we have free will, that makes our choice of living from the heart that much more potent and powerful. Absolutely. Right. So for, for me, when it, when it comes to talking about the heart, it, it heart and sin. Okay. So I don't have like notes, notes right now, but I do remember one study that 
I did also into the text of what that meant. So missing the mark was one. The other was estrangement mm. from God, estrangement, um, which which is very different from actually what traditionally has been the meaning of sin. So traditionally, because again, um, it has language is largely co-opted by whoever writes history. And totally. in this case, you know, whoever wrote the history that we inherit around sin, it's obviously the church, right? The greater church power and empire, which, like I've said, you know, ever since I was 18 and I started to, you know, look into these taboo, quote unquote, teachings that you're not meant to read, you know, like, again, starting with unschooling, um, what I found about sin was it's an estrangement for, from God. And one of my uh, mentors, um, Joel Brown, fabulous guy, by the way, he's actually a theologian too. And he looked into um, a lot of things because he, he, he and I have, this, have kind of like the same path. We came from like a lot of like the love and light um, realms and kind of like um, trying to figure out, you know, like this time but then coming to a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. And he said, sin can actually be encapsulated as a violation of purpose. Mm. And what is our purpose? Our purpose as created beings is really to be in union with God, mm. right? But religion carried with it the meaning that sin is basically an offense against religious law or the law of God, or what, you know, religions believed they co-opted to be the law of God. Mm. So there's really this, there's going to always be this ongoing tension of what sin is, right? And I'm going to get in trouble for that as, you know, like, um, as somebody who claims to follow Jesus Christ, right? But I actually believe that that's an embodiment of who he was. He was always like testing the current paradigms of his time, you know, historically when he occupied this time and space, right? He was historically a gangster against the system. He was historically counterculture. You know, he, women followed him. And women supported his his work financially. And he sat with the pariahs of society. I mean, like, for me, he is not just a consciousness. He's a person. Like, he's not just the historical person that occupied this timeline. But he is also somebody that I, I speak to, right? So, yes, it's also a consciousness, but it's also a embodiment of, you know, like, a human being that is striving every day to do what she can to not, you know, to not be out of purpose. Mm. And for me, like a lot of people like, so you're so, so as Christians, I grew up in the evangelical lineage of Christianity where your purpose is go and be a missionary to people who are not saved and then share the Bible with them. So for them, that's purpose. But for me, like when I peeled back the layers, when I said, well, what if that's not available to me? And I, and I don't want that. Is it a sin to want to be a mother and to want to be married and to just take care of my little unit? 
of like humanity. And that's what actually propelled me to like question, okay, well, if sin, if sin is a violation of my purpose as a woman, a bearer of children, one who is in union with another human being for eternity, those sound like better deals than just going out and taking on the cloak of a missionary and bringing the Bible to people who probably can't relate with it because it's not in their language. It's not in their lineage. It's not in their culture. Right. That's not to say like that, what, what Christians are doing is wrong, but I'm just saying, what if the other, what if, what if sin was denying that purpose of being fully an earthly woman? Mm. So for me, that's what actually, and that's why I, I suppose, you know, like I can connect that to the kind of women that are in my realms, right? They're very curious about what does femininity mean in like a very real way? Um, what is challenging kind of like the paradigms of femininity mean? It's all connected to that purpose. Like, what does it mean to be a woman who is connected to the heart of God? It actually means that she's in relationship with him. And that when she walks on this planet, she's able to discern, you know, what's separating me from the heart of God? Is it the system? Is it this food? Is it this processed crap that I've been unconsciously eating like all my life and causing my hormones and autoimmune disease? It's, it's, it's those things. A lot of people don't see that that, you know, even what you're eating could be a violation of purpose because it mm. hijacks your body. And it removes a part of your consciousness, right? So I get very, when I talk about this, because I feel like that's sin. If, if, we were gonna, if we were gonna go back to the original, earliest description of what sin was in relation to this God, then it would be a violation of purpose. Mm-hmm. And when, when we talk about purpose, everything that has been added on by by constructs, by ideologies, by societies that make up, you know, kind of like this matrix that we live in, we get to question all of that and we get to dismantle all of that. And then, and then sin just becomes again, you know, this very, very fractured definition. Yeah. Usually co-opted by one of the major world religions. Right. Right. So I feel like when women struggle, like I I have clients that are Christians and I, a lot of like what I help them process having left that faith and then coming back to a new embodiment of it is for the most part, it becomes a religion and ideology of worthlessness, Hmm. which is not true. You know, that is not what, that is not the message of Jesus whom the Christians believe they follow. Mm -hmm. So it's always going back to the heart of God and the heart of God is in Christ, right? And it's helping women to identify with, again, that purpose of what it means to be a woman, what it means to be the healthiest whole version of yourself while you're here, what it means to anchor yourself in the masculine as God when you are, you know, like you are activating your femininity as it were, right? So that when you're with your, your physical partner, 
it's from that devotion and, and that relationship with God that you can show up for your partner and love and receive him in the way that you would love and receive God as well as. So for, for me, that is what it means to be in alignment. Mm -hmm. And that's what it means to not be living in sin, if that makes sense. Right. Cause living in it sin does. is a term used a lot in, in religion, you know, like for certain things. But for me, what people do is their business. It's not my business to um, say what I think they should be doing, right? This is not to say that we don't raise our voice against obvious distortions, but everybody was created by God with their capacity to choose. And however that looks like for them is not on me to dictate. I used to be that way because I grew up in a in a very evangelical puritanical religion that demanded everybody be like rank and file in how you follow God. Um, but I feel like now what, what I, you know, how I perceive things is there's a beauty in being able to lean back and appreciate that everybody's on their own journey back to God. Yeah. Right. And, and appreciate and, and, um, and it was, in fact, my pastor who, um, and he hates calling himself a pastor, but technically that's what he is, right? He's like, we're pastors to each other, right? We are not like, oh, I'm the pastor. I'm the, I'm the authority on like everything, morals and the law of God. And he's like, no, we're all pastors to each other. We're all, we all have the opportunity to lead the other one home. It's not co-opted by your rank and file. Again, getting out of this, oh my gosh, there's that hierarchy again, right? Totally. And it's going back into that, again, that idea that however it was in the beginning of time that God created us to be fully in receptivity of his grace, love, provision, and we get to embody that with every human being that we encounter yeah. be it our our own children complete stranger on the internet we get to choose to be in alignment with the heart of god am i being a living breathing embodiment of the heart of god to this person yeah yeah, yeah. thank you for that reminder yeah. that's really what it's about <laughs> it is what it's about like it's simple, cool. right? It's it is very simple. We we overcomplicate yeah. things, I feel we like do. <laughs> so easily. But yeah. this reminder, I think, of like, okay, coming back to the heart, like am I being a a loving, kind person in mm. this moment? And that that stepping back piece is so so valuable too mm. of a reminder um and i feel like if there's nothing that i've learned these last few years it's that it's just step back and let people live you know step yeah. back and know that everyone's on their own path and yeah. and you have and you have care your, your own to, yes you have exactly. your work to do and so keep you know keep your eye on your own paper stay on your own lane and own paper i love that <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Don't look at my paper. 
Oh, goodness. This like school metaphor keeps coming up, right? Right, right. It's so <laughs> deeply ingrained and it's like, oh, there it is coming up again. <laughs> oh, Martine, thank you so much for being in conversation with me. I, I feel yeah, this very is so great. Yes. Um, I could, I could keep going and I know we, we could keep, keep the conversation rolling, but yeah, but, um, we'll have another, another moment, I think to do that. Um, for, sure. for now, I would just feel very grateful that you've been here with me and shared your heart and your story with, um, with our community here and so much love. Thank you for, for making the time again to be here and, I want to give you the chance to uh, share how folks can find you and what maybe you have going. All right. Well, it was it was so great to sit with you and finally like have just a conversation with you, which I've been looking forward to for so long. Um, well, people can find me uh, mostly on Instagram. I'm at femininity and freedom. One one entire sentence there. And my name is Martine DeLuna. Um, I'm also on my website at martinedeluna.com. And yeah, I, I post on Instagram about femininity, about God, about being a wife uh, and being a woman and how to figure all that out. If we can ever figure it out, we never will. Um, but basically, I'm just open to connecting with women who are curious about falling in love with the masculine in in terms of God, marriage, relationships, and their business. So yeah, if, if anybody's interested in those things, that's what we can vibe on on Instagram, where I hope to see you. Beautiful. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Martine. Hey, friend. Thanks for joining me for this week's episode of Mother Talks. I appreciate if you could drop us a thoughtful review from whatever platform you're tuning into the podcast. It really helps us to reach more listeners just like you. Finally, I'll close by sharing that I am honored to mentor, support, teach, and companion mamas and creative women on a mission to heal their legacy through bespoke coaching somatic education, nervous system nourishment, movement classes, spiritual guidance, online courses, and group work facilitation. Again, you can visit my website at rachelalaya.love for more details. Have a beautiful day.